Welcome to episode 60 of the J Bunny's Music Hub podcast. I'm your host, J Bunny. Now for this episode, I'm joined by Chino Marin, who is a man that I was uh, familiar with when he lived in New Jersey and was part of the the music scene up here in, in New Jersey. He's moved around a bit, but he's still doing music. It was great to finally be able to get him on the on the podcast, as I mentioned in the interview. We did try to make this happen earlier in the year, and we just weren't able to link up. But it's great to be able to finally get this get this out uh, get this recorded get this out there. I had a good time talking to him, and I hope that you guys enjoy it. Without further ado, here's Chino. What's up, everybody? It is Jay Bunny. I am here once again at home, once again on Skype. I am not currently drinking any beer from Ghost Hawk Brewery because drinking this early in the day, they, they start to call you things like alcoholic, but I'll probably be drinking some later. <laughs> Joining me today is Chino Marin. How's it going, man? Thanks for having me, dude. How are you, man? I'm doing well. Uh, you know, I'm okay. Uh, like I mentioned to you before, I'm dealing with some some injuries, and and uh, I've mentioned on the last episode of the so ep- last episode of the show, gonna need surgery soon, so that'll be fun. But uh, you know, I'm getting by. Just another Saturday. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, you know, I I have been uh, you know aware of you for for a bit now. I first, you and I first sort of became, or I first became aware of you at least uh, back around 2013 or 2014 when you were in the band Static Silence. Uh, yeah. Now, before we get into the specifics about that band, I was just wondering how, you know, how old were you when you first started to uh, play music in general? Oh, wow. Um, how old was I? <laughs> well, I never really played anything, I guess, publicly <laughs> in terms of music, like me sitting on a piano and playing until I was in the first band, which was Static Silence. But it was before that, it was known as a band called Life Without Warning. And that's where uh, that band mutated into Static Silence. Um, so I guess that would have been around 2011, 2012, where I, I started doing like performances, you know, actual live performances. But prior to that, I mean, 2011, how old was I? Jesus. 35, um, 2011, carry the one. Yeah, I was in my 20s, man. So I, it was I, ten, 10 years ago. Yeah, yeah. Easy math. <laughs> I think five, dude. It's wild. So, yeah, 25 years old. But even before that, in high school, I was doing theater. So I guess those were my first performances, but I don't really consider that the same. So that was 2001, my first performance on a stage that I did, like the fall musical or the spring musical, I should say. Okay. All righty. And so then you you said that that uh, Static Silence, although it started under another name, was was your first band. How did that band come together? I attended for uh, less than a year a place known as County College of Morris. Okay. Um, and at that place, I met this guy named Andrew Roloff, who to this day is a dear friend of mine. And he was in a band at that time with two other guys, and they were looking for a singer. They had asked me if I knew of anyone. And I did. I actually recommended them to a friend of mine who it just didn't work out with. And then they, you know, had asked me again, you know, uh, did I know anyone else? And I said, well, I mean, I do a little bit of singing. But again, mind you, at that point, I'd never done anything like that. It was only theater. So I was like, yeah, I do a little bit of singing. You know, um, we could give it a go. And then that's where it kind of started. And yeah, since then, I was with him pretty much through... All of the music that I was a part of, he was a part of, uh, up until Lone Wolf. Okay, and ultimately, uh, obviously, you know, there's been a couple of bands. Uh, you know, Static Silence eventually broke up. Uh, what happened with that? Well, a lot of things happened with that. 
life. At that time, I was so hungry to get out there and, um, you know, make it, as they say. And as we, you know, we, we, we evolved very quickly. You know, we used to jam out in basements and write together and do all this sort of thing. And then um, things got serious very fast in terms of like the business side of music, which is something that most don't really like to talk about. And it's kind of those awkward conversations to have, you know, who gets money for this and who gets money for that? and Who wrote this? Who wrote that? And in these kinds of situations, there's always somebody that takes leadership, whether we choose to or not. It just is one of those things. And, and I tended to do that. And I wasn't necessarily in the right state of mind to do so, being that I just, you know, I, I expected everybody to do the same that I was doing without really considering where everybody was. And, and I think I personally, looking back at things, I was a big cause as to why we, we broke up essentially, because my attitude, my way of approaching things wasn't the best and I may have pushed people away. And it started with one person and then we tried to make it work with a new guy. And then I just, I stopped caring at that point. And, you know, that kind of attitude in, in an environment where we all kind of need to be positive, just doesn't help a situation. So I think uh, a big part of that was was me. And also, you know, people were just tired of trying to grind, you know, spending the money to get merch and, and you know, pay to play and all that sort of thing. And, you know, one thing after another, it was just like, all right, you know, we we either end this now before we hate each other <laughs> or uh, we just keep going and watch this whole place burn down with us inside of it. So. All right. I did see you guys a handful of times at, uh, you know, at Dingbats and at the Stanhope House. Yeah. And I really enjoyed I really enjoyed seeing you guys play. I still have I don't know if it still works I, and I don't know where it is at the moment because I've moved since that band was a thing. I had you, uh, a download card that I had gotten from, oh, yeah. from that band and uh, <laughs> it's in a box in my storage unit somewhere. I don't think I ever redeemed it. I don't know if it's still active at this point, but uh, I do I have it and. I have no idea, man. <laughs> I have those songs. I can send them to you. If it, if it doesn't work, you try it out. I mean, that card is worth nothing. So make sure you don't lose that. <laughs> <laughs> so after after Static Silence ended, you and a few of the members uh, joined forces with members of the band Scarlet Carson and Sirens Calling to form the band Ronin. How did that situation come together? I was looking at forming a band that, you know, kind of was a, in a sense, like a powerhouse of like, I guess the local artists in the area or local heroes as some of them call them. And I was good friends with Steve uh, Zucks, who was the guitarist for Scarlet Carson, who still is a guitarist for Scarlet Carson. And he was also the guitarist for Sirens Calling. And I had talked to him and I said, Hey man, you know, Santino's uh, moved out of here and you guys aren't doing anything and I'm not doing anything. Why don't we come up with something where it's kind of like a combination of static and uh, Scarlet Carson. Ironically, we had uh, Mike Mayhem, who was the bass player at the time for Scarlet Carson. He actually, one summer before that, had actually hopped on vocals and did a song with us at the, um, I think it was the Jersey Shore Festival. I don't know if you remember that thing. And he had performed with us and we just had had a really good bond with those guys. And yeah, we just decided to start something up. At that time, we took a trip to, to Ocean City, Maryland. And we started writing a lot of the tracks out there and recorded our only EP, which came out in December of 2015. So that was like five songs, combination of uh, 
you know, Steve's writing and mine and put that out, did a lot of shows, had a good time. And then ultimately we ended uh, 2018 when I moved to Florida. Okay. Yeah. I was going to ask what happened to that. Cause it seemed like there was a real big push when, when that band came together, you guys put out the EP, you guys did a, uh, you were playing a show at Starland ballroom with El Nino yeah, um, if I'm a, not mistaken, you guys filmed a music video at that show, yeah. and there just seemed to be a lot going on, and then out of nowhere, it was just done. Yeah, we did the release show with El Nino, did the music video, then we started doing a bunch of other shows. We did uh, uh, Boba Flex, Buck Cherry, Trivium, um, we did a lot, and uh, by 2018, we were set out to release a new, new song. It was actually, we, we had it recorded, we never released it, and... I don't know, man, um, you know, without getting into it too much, uh, there was a lot of stuff going on in some of the members' personal life, and, you know, we kind of had to take a little backseat at certain things, and just the priorities for some of the members there wasn't the same, and I was also in the process of moving, so, you know, we just decided, well, let's, um, let's just kind of do our own thing, and if something comes up, great, and if it doesn't, no big deal. You know, that wasn't the same case as what Static was, where Static, we were really pushing to, you know, get all this uh, stuff going. We had Clint Lowry produce our EP, and, you know, we were doing shows with Seven Dust, we were doing shows with uh, Three Years Hollow, and, you know, a bunch of other bands. And whereas Ronan was more so, let's just play, let's have fun, and let's put stuff out that people enjoy, and just kind of see where it goes. But it, it never really had that same drive is what static had if that makes any sense yeah yeah sure i understand <laughs> and then ultimately the uh scarlet carson that band got back together at least for for one show i i, I'm, I have to say i was never really familiar with that band by the time that i was really in the the scene they had already split and sirens calling was the band that those yeah. guys most of those guys were in and i saw them a few times but i'd never seen scarlet carson but i did see that they did a big reunion thing yeah, I mean they were they were heavy hitters down south for sure. You know they they would rent out Starland Ballroom and uh, you know I mean what local band would rent out Starland Ballroom? <laughs> right, right, right. Um, but they they brought freaking people in there and they just put on a hell of a show. They're all great musicians and and performers as well because it's you know you can have a really good guy up on stage who knows how to play technicality and all that sort of thing, but he may suck at presence. Whereas these guys each one of them man they always they always demanded your attention so great dudes yeah definitely and so you said that the band ended because you moved to florida i do remember seeing that you were you know you know because we're uh facebook friends and yeah. so i do remember seeing that you were in, in florida what inspired that relocation well it wasn't more inspiration it was just money <laughs> oh so for work what i do is is film so i i I do music videos. I do, you know, I've done a few documentaries. Um, I edit, so that that sort of thing. Anything film production. And there was a good opportunity for me to do some film stuff. You know, that same year I was getting married, uh, so it was just one of those things where I was like, I'm gonna do me. I'm I'm not gonna worry about music or anything else. And, and just my priorities had kind of changed as well. And you know, I just took a chance and move down to good old Florida. Now, in addition to the bands we've already talked about, I've, I've seen that you've also put out music under your own name and now under the, the Lone Wolf banner. Can you explain how you determine whether a song is, is a Chino song or a Lone Wolf song? 
Well, I, for the longest time, I said, you know what, like, I'm going to always put out music. Uh, if I, I've tried to ignore the music inside of me for far too long, and, and I, uh, it, it drives me crazy, to be honest. Um, it's one of those things where I find myself pretending I don't need to write or sit down in front of a piano. Um, so I just have to. It's, it's kind of therapeutic for me. As far as the Chino Marin or Lone Wolf choosing what goes to what, most of the stuff that I wrote under Chino Marin was at a time where I was dealing with some heavy depression. So that was one of those things where Lone Wolf wasn't born at that time. Like the, the, the Lone Wolf name didn't exist. It was just me putting out stuff because I needed to rather than because, oh, check out my music, guys. <laughs> you know, I just put it out and people, because they knew me, they would listen to it. But it wasn't one of those things where I was, again, trying to do anything with. I just needed to put it out really more so for my mental health, to be honest. Lone Wolf came about because of me telling my wife one day, I said, I'm done with music. I don't think I'll ever meet guys as, as good as the guys that I've met in the past. And, you know, I just I was always afraid to do it on my own. I always felt that I needed to have a band to, to back me up. And it was, I almost relied on that. It was like, a, you know, it was like a crutch for me. And my wife kind of uh, emotionally slapped me around a bit and was like, you're an idiot if you think you're going to quit this thing that you love doing. You know, she hears me at three in the morning when I get out of bed and I go down and play something on the piano and whatnot, and I'm just writing or singing. She's like, you need to reach out to somebody. And that somebody was, you know, without getting ahead of myself, that was Jose of Three Years Hollow. She's like, you need to reach out to him and tell him your situation. Tell him what you want to do and see if it's possible to create the music that you want to create without the necessity of having band members. And, yeah, that's where I'm at now. All righty. And then you just just yesterday you <laughs> released a cover of the Slipknot song Snuff under Lone Wolf. What made you decide to cover that song? I love that song, man. That's probably one of my favorite uh, Slipknot songs, period. That song came out at a time where I was very, very low, and that helped me a lot. I'm very particular with covers. I've decided that with the Lone Wolf stuff, I want to put out one cover a year. So I did that last year with Hollywood's Bleeding, which is a Post Malone song, and Snuff now with Slipknot. That song is just, it's such a beautiful song, man. And I'm not trying to in any way, shape, or form compete with the original because that's impossible to do. If anything, I just want to pay homage to it in the, the only way that I know how, and it's through my way of, of doing a song. You know, being respectful to the original, but also not not being a carbon copy of it. And I think that's uh, one of the reasons why I did want to put out, because I, I find that song to be just incredibly beautiful and powerful. And it always has me going down the rabbit hole on YouTube of like searching covers and just seeing what people do with them, because I love hearing other people's renditions of a song. And... Honestly, man, I looked at so many different covers of that song and nobody did really anything different with it. Like everybody just pretty much stayed in the safe zone of like, OK, we have the guitar. This, it's in the same key and that's about it. And I just felt like I love this song and, and I hear it in a different way. Let me try to do that, but also have those little bits of, of familiarity for people that know the original and also for somebody who's never heard the original, 
you know, they listen to this and they really like it because it, it can stand on its own, if that makes sense. Uh, absolutely. Now, you had mentioned Jose from Three Years Hollow. Um, I had him on the podcast back in 2019. And, you know, you came up actually in our conversation on that episode. Yeah, yeah. Um, I was just wondering how your, your relationship with him came about. I met him when he started touring with Seven Dust. Um, we did a little stunt with them as well. And uh, I think it was the first show we ever did with them was at Dingbats. And it's funny because I introduced myself to him. I was very inspired by him, to be honest. He, you know, the, the way that their band came about. And I just loved how he was as a front man. And I thought his voice was super powerful. And at that time, I had this thing where I was like, real vocalists, people that don't like, you know, don't use backing tracks and all that I was like very against it because I had been let down by I won't mention names but a band that I've followed for a long time a very well-known band that we got to open up for and half of the performance was just not even him singing but anyways yeah he was just it was just super cool to see a dude who had a powerful voice and be able to do it you know live and, and not bs it not give people basically a fake performance and I introduced myself to him. <laughs> he actually was very, at that time, I was like, this dude's kind of an asshole. Like, he didn't say anything back, and he was just, like, very, like, abrupt and just left. Later to find out that he's, like, he has, like, super high anxiety when he's in those kinds of situations. So he, uh, you know, he means no disrespect at all, but it's just how he feels, and he's like, he has to get out of the room. I learned more about that, obviously, because, you know, we ended up becoming Facebook friends, and I would always see that, you know, he was doing recordings and he was always asking, hey, if you want to book a book a track or whatever, you know, at the Attic Recording Studios. And I'm like, well, shit, I live in uh, Florida. He's out in Illinois. OK, well, that's different. You know, I'm so used to recording in the same state that I live in. I would record at Architect Studios when we were in Jersey. It's just easy because you can just drive there at any time. Right. So I'm like, you know what? F that. And my wife had given me that little pep talk. And after that little pep talk, I reached out to him and I was like, hey, dude, so I have a lot of stuff. I have a lot of things to say. I have a lot of anger. I have a lot of emotions that I got to deal with. And I would put it out in song. Here's the thing. I don't have a band. <laughs> and this is the kind of music that like, you know, it's aggressive. It's also emotional. Can you help me out? Do you know of anybody that I can hire to like play? And he's like, I got you. And that's how he introduced me to Justin Taylor, the singer of Allborn who is now my producer. You know, he not only is my producer, he actually plays virtually every instrument that you hear on these songs. He's insane. I, I don't understand how somebody can be so damn talented. Sit, sitting in a room with him, I feel like I have zero to offer. <laughs> when it just comes to that, uh, the guy's insane. But yeah, he introduced me to him and it's been a great relationship. He was actually in the Hollywood's Bleeding music video. He's the guy that's playing the drums, and he's also playing the guitar. And he's also uh, featured on the song, so he does the, the uh, second verse. Okay. You know, you mentioned Architect Studios. That's that's. I don't know that they so much use that as a venue anymore, but there was a period of time where, you know, that was a, you know, the, the music school and a recording studio, and then they did concerts there. I think the only, the only thing I've seen them do as of late is, like, performances for their students and then sometimes some private events but back when they used to run that as a, as a music venue as well that's the first place i ever that's where i got introduced to three years three years hollow was they were opening for i empire yeah 
Yeah, that was, we were on that show too. Believe it or not. Yeah, that's. Um, I know why they don't do it anymore, but yeah, it's it's a shame that 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 place doesn't actually do those kinds of shows anymore. It was a great venue for that sort of thing. We used to do yeah. a lot of acoustic stuff there too. That's the thing. I only ever saw two shows there. It was that I Empire show, and then um, the band Hurt did an acoustic tour, and they played there. And they were they were like not advertised. It was funny because like they were doing this acoustic tour and they were only just putting up Facebook events and not really promoting them at all. And then they explained when we were there, like, yeah, you know, we didn't want to promote them too much because we're playing these really small places and we didn't want to like have too many people show up or anything. And so those are the only two times I'd ever been there was to see I Empire and to see uh, Hurt Acoustic. And they were both awesome shows. Yeah, yeah. I Empire was great, man. That band was oh, so good, so good. God, Actually, you... recently had uh, Donald Carpenter on the podcast as well oh, with his nice. band. What's What's he doing? He's He's in a new band called Blisskrieg with the instrumental members of the original lineup of Days of the New and Tantric. Oh shit! <laughs> and they, yeah, they just put out they just put out an album earlier this year, and uh, so I had him on to talk about that and talk about. You know, all of the I Empire and Submersed and all, all of his, uh, you know, all of his stuff. It was, uh, it was good to good to get him on. Still like to get their drummer, Ryan, on the show. He's like a friend of a friend. So, like, it's just it's just and I, I almost almost had him on once because he was touring with um, he's Mark Tremonti's drummer. And uh, they played a show up in Poughkeepsie and it was just, we just couldn't link up that day to, to make it happen. So, well, one of these days. <laughs> yeah. So Jose has those uh, Instamix live events, and I know that you've been involved in in some of those as well, right? Yeah, yeah, I've done some of them. I've also filmed some of them. Th- those things are a lot of fun because now you get onto the other side of the music, which is something that I always wanted to do. The writing process, I, I absolutely love it. I love collaborating, and these events are a ton of fun when you get to sit in a room, dude. I I never in my life thought I'd be sitting in a room with a, you know, band members of Three Days Grace or Breaking Benjamin writing a song together. Like right, that right. blows my mind. You know, like I remember three listening to Three Days Grace in high school and Breaking Benjamin in high school and being that kid with the hoodie up and the headphones over your head, just listening to this music and being inspired by it. And now I'm in a room with these guys writing. Uh, it's pretty surreal. <laughs> Yeah, so that that whole concept is really interesting. Being in Jersey, like I, I don't, you know, I know that usually people come out to to do it. And I'm not a musician myself. I kind of I tried to have a band in high school with a friend of mine, and it didn't really kind of blew up before it began. And then we had kids, and that was sort of the end of all that. But uh, it just seems like a pretty awesome concept. Yeah, yeah, it's it's cool. I mean, especially with the times now, where everything has kind of shifted, and and you don't have as many opportunities to do like live shows and things like that. It was a great way for people to stay busy, relevant, and just be able to have that kind of interaction with, you know, their fans. So it's a very cool concept for sure. And that, and that actually brings me into another question that I had for you, which, I mean, things are seeming to start to calm down now with, with vaccines out there and stuff. And especially out in the Midwest, they kind of never stopped having shows. It seems but it seems like things are starting to pick back up. I actually went to my first uh, show in a year, uh, like a week or two ago. It was just a small acoustic thing, but it was still something. But 
I was wondering how you feel about how the inter- entertainment industry has adapted to live performances in the age of COVID, you know, where they couldn't really do much in the way of in-person shows. So everything moved to like online. I think it was a big wake up call for a lot of artists in the rock genre. I think the rock genre on its own uh, needs to be shaken up a bit. And I don't mean in terms of like the music. I don't mean like, oh, like we got to do this because this is a new thing. No, like I'm talking more so like the, the rock genre fails in a lot of parts because they don't they don't take notes from other genres that that thrive pop music for instance i listen to everything then like i I don't just limit myself to just listening to rock but i do listen to everything um you know i have my justin bieber moments whatever don't judge me Um, (laughs) i i really do and, and i notice that these guys thrive because you know they do all these experiences online for their fans they do these experiences where they collaborate with other artists and you know that that's rock kind of needs to take a little they need to take some notes on that sort of thing and i think it was cool to see some of these bands you know start doing some of this stuff live and having these interactions you know you have seven dust that put out uh, how many shows maybe it was like three shows i want to say where they did full-on like live concerts online you know like that's pretty wild then you have like matt from trivium the singer who does like all the stuff on twitch you know he takes advantage of that and it's and it's cool to see these these artists to start you know doing this more and then also seeing some of these artists start collaborating with other artists um i I think it's forced people to kind of get out of their comfort zone a bit and it's shaken up the industry for them in terms of okay how do we stay connected with the fans how do we also i mean make money because we got to make a living and also help the people that you know not, not just the artists but the people that make the artists look as good as they do on stage right all the people that are part of the production how do we help them out in some way because you got to think about that too you know the, the whole crew and everybody else that puts out all the hard work they're suffering tremendously during these times because live shows aren't happening so let's put an experience where it still requires the manpower to do something and just capitalize on it so it's interesting to see where it's going to because i think some of these things are here to stay whereas you know i don't i don't ever believe that live shows will cease to exist i mean there's there's just nothing that beats being in center stage and just watching that from the pit and just being in there and feeling the music literally vibrate in your chest but yeah it's 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 kind of wild to see what's happened, where it's going, and kind of excited because there's new opportunities there for guys like myself who are nobodies. (laughs) (laughs) You know, like, it's true. Like, I started Lone Wolf during a pandemic. What? (laughs) You know what I mean? I put my first song out on, on YouTube January of 2020. And because of covid that i think that's one of the reasons why that freaking song ended up having over 200,000 views on youtube you know people were at home bored it's also the reason why i started gaming and doing things on twitch because i'm like well why not i premiered snuff on twitch you know and, and that was the biggest crowd i've had on my twitch since where people came in to listen and i'm just seeing that this world has changed tremendously this the new generation these kids man they it's wild i always said who the hell watches people play video games but they do (laughs) and i've met a lot of people who do that and not only do they watch you play video games 
they want to sit and just talk music with you, which is something that I've discovered this past week where I premiered the song. You know, one of the hashtags I used was called music talk. And I just had random people come on and say, hey, man, you take requests. And I'm like, what do you mean? He's like, yeah, if I request something for you to listen to, you give me your thoughts on it. I'm like, whoa, this is insane. Like, you, I'm sitting here online for five hours and I'm chatting with people from all over the country who I've never met. They've never met me. And they are having genuine conversations about things. Then they're asking me about my music. And it's not for nothing, but it, there's definitely something there. So that's that's what's interesting about the whole situation is just seeing how it, it's uh, how it's evolving and how it's forcing the industry to to evolve with it because if if you don't evolve i mean you're just not going to move forward it's just the reality of it you can still make that has nothing to do with the kind of music you make though you know what i mean like i mean you have to create something try to create something different no be authentic to your music but just evolve with the technology and evolve with what's going on around because you want great music to be heard you don't want it to not be heard because you were too stubborn to say, oh, I don't want to do this online stuff, <laughs> you know? And that actually brings me into my next question, which is sort of the signature question of the show that I ask everybody that's ever been on the show, which is how do you feel about the current state of where the music industry is, where everything is moving to streaming versus album sales? And, you know, people say like, you know, I'd rather subscribe to Spotify or rather just illegally download still because bands don't make any money on music anyway. They make all their money at concerts. What do I have to pay them for the music for? Right. Right. Well, again, that forces the artist to adapt. That forces the artist to start thinking a little bit harder and outside the box. I am a collector of all things media. I am a fanatic of movies and music. I have over 3000 movies, physical copies Right. You could tell me why the hell am I buying Blu-rays when I can just buy them through iTunes and download them and have them on the cloud and all that. I, I'm, I'm one of those guys where I'm like, I just need it in my hands. Right. I need to have this here. So the same kind of goes with music. People stop buying CDs. People stop buying physical copies of things unless they're at shows. I've noticed that at shows, people always want a physical copy of something. And that's cool. So that tells me one of two things. There is still a demand for it. But the, the demand has shifted in a sense of people want something exclusive now. People want something that's limited. So that gives me, the as an artist, two things. Like, I did a 100 print on my debut EP of Lone Wolf, which that came out in December of 2020. And I was like, I'm only doing 100 copies. It's limited. I'm never re-releasing it again. If you want it, let me know. If you don't, it's all good. It's all love. You can still download them. You can still listen to it on Spotify. You can still listen to it on iTunes, whatever. And I sold them out. You know, it's it's not much. It's I'm not trying to brag, but I was able to sell them out because there are certain people that like that sort of thing. You I know, know I, I bought one of them. Yes. <laughs> so it's it's cool. It's cool to see that. It's cool to see that you can, you have the power to give the listener something new, a different experience and still be able to provide new stuff. After, again, this whole Twitch thing, you know, it's it's also streaming. I'm going to stream my entire album before I release it, which comes out uh, my second EP, Kingdom. That's going to be released December of 2021. And I'm going to go ahead and stream the entire album before it's released, a month before. Like, I'm going to do it on Twitch because that's an experience that, you know, is different to somebody having the physical copy. Or somebody may not want the physical copy, but they may want to have that moment where they listen to the album 
from start to finish where we can then talk about each song and the process of writing each song and doing that, you know, it gives people that want that, that ability to do so. But it then for the ones that don't give a flying fuck, they can just go ahead and download it. <laughs> they can just go ahead and, and I'll just wait till it comes out, you know? Um, yes. Do, do artists not get paid anywhere near as they should with the streaming? Absolutely. It's nice for the guys that have already made it that are getting their million plus you know, monthly listeners on Spotify. It sucks for guys like me who, you know, started out with 20 listeners, 30, 50, 70. I'm like at 500 now, a little bit over 500. It's, it's, if I showed you my earnings for the, the music that I've put out this last year, an entire EP plus a, a single, and then compare that to what I've spent making it, you would tell me, dude, why are you even doing this? But that's just it. Like, if we want to do this, we have to we have to adapt and we have to learn that it's not the same. You don't get the record deals you used to get. They don't care about that. They just care about are you popular? Are you relevant enough? Can you do it on your own? So there's there's a positive to it. And there's also a negative. The positives are really for the artists that are all, that are already established. The negatives are for the up and coming artists. But at the same time, you can either complain about it or do something about it so i just would rather instead of just sitting here with my thumb on my ass and complaining oh, i don't know they're not gonna pay me well let me figure out something else to do so that i can you know get that exposure to get somebody to notice to then go and fund me rather than sit here and go well i'm not getting paid you know reality is i gotta have my job on the side to be able to do what i do and, and love what i do it just depends on how badly i want it now I noticed on a recent Facebook post, you said you were going to make sure that you performed at least one live show this year, be it acoustic or with a full band. Just in the time that I've been aware of you, you've had at least four bands. What would your set list look like uh, when you did this show? Would it contain material from your former bands or just your solo and Lone Wolf stuff? I would probably, if it's acoustic, I would probably do some of my old stuff too. Just because, just because it's fun to revisit that and, and, you know, go over those songs. If it were to be live show with the full band, I would only do Lone Wolf stuff. Okay. So that's that's pretty much all I've got for you today. You mentioned you've got a, a, a your, your next EP coming out later this year. Uh, in addition to that, you know, what is next for you and your musical endeavors? So I have the Snuff song that came out yesterday and then the music video comes out next Friday. And then I have the first single from the EP coming out in August. The song is also titled Kingdom. That will be the first single off of the EP. And that'll have a music video as well. And then December is when I'll release the EP with uh, another single and a music video as well. So that's what I got going on. Also, I have, you know, doing more Insta mixes as they asked me to do and hopefully do some collaborations with some other artists. Recently got added to a Featured X, which is a pretty dope website where you can basically book an artist to write on a song for you, feature on it, even be on a video with. And uh, it's pretty cool to be part of that roster. I believe that's a company that's actually done by one of the members of Fit for a King. So it's pretty cool to, to be on there and to be among all these huge names. And then there's little me. <laughs> um, so, yeah, it's just little things that I'm proud of. But, yeah, that's what I got going on for now. 
probably doing some music videos for some other artists soon. And that's about it. All right. Well, that's that sounds that sounds awesome. I wanna I wanna thank you so much for for your time and and for be, being able to make this work. I know we tried earlier this year and it didn't didn't quite work out. So I'm glad we were able to finally uh, finally get this going. And uh, thank you for your time and thank you for being on the show. Absolutely, man. Thanks for having me, dude. All right, no worries.
And from the EP, Dark Was the Day, that was Lone Wolf with Unbroken. I want to thank Chino for being on the show. If you want to follow him on social media, he's got he's got a, a few links out there. You can follow the Lone Wolf Project on Facebook and Instagram at This Is Lone Wolf. You can watch his Twitch streams on twitch.tv slash LN number 3 W-O-L-F. You can also follow Chino's personal pages on Facebook at Official Chino Marin and on Twitter and Instagram at I Am Chino Marin. You can also follow the J Bunny's Music Hub podcast on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Patreon. You know, I'm still working on the Patreon. I, I think I've been perpetually saying that. I created the account and I, I still have not done anything with it except subscribe to Jason Ellis's Patreon. I will get stuff out there for you guys, I promise having the issues with my back and the looming surgery is going to complicate things a bit, as I mentioned before, but I will do my best to get that up and running for you. I also got to figure out, you know, the tiers and stuff like that. Being that this is episode 60, I did the math, I've averaged about 15 episodes a year, which is just over, you know, like one a month. I was always kind of hoping to have at least two a month, so I got to try and get stuff out there more if you guys are going to be paying me for it. Now, uh, also don't forget, if you believe in supporting music like I do by buying it, then don't forget to also follow Industry Embers at Industry Embers on Facebook and Twitter, and either post or tweet your music purchases with the hashtag BuyMusic, B-U-Y, or it's BuyMusic, B-Y-E. Now, as for what is next for the show, I'm not going to let the possibility of surgery get in the way as of yet. I do have another episode scheduled to be recorded this coming Saturday. Hopefully get it out to you guys next week. And it's with somebody, uh, you guys know I never say who it is till it's done, but this is somebody that I've wanted to get on the show forever. It's been somebody that I've been following for, Jesus, 18 years I've been following his musical endeavors. And I'll give you a little clue. The very first thing that I did in J Bunny's Music Hub before it was a podcast, I did written features where I would, and it was a Facebook group, and there still is the Facebook group, but I did written features where I would do a little write-up on a band and feature a song. This person that's going to be on the next episode of the show was the front man of the very first band that was ever featured as a hashtag daily discovery on J Bunny's Music Hub. So... I can't wait to get that uh, interview recorded, get that episode posted. It's been a long time coming, and it should be great. Beyond that, I'm going to send out some emails to see what else I can get. Uh, There's also, as you guys heard on the last episode, uh, shows are starting to happen again. Uh, You know, the last episode was recorded at a show. I'm going to see if I can't get some more. They have started to announce concerts at uh, at least small venues in New Jersey, uh, Dingbats and Stanhope House being two of my favorite places to go. There is one particular show that was recently announced for Dingbats that I'm really hoping I can get in- an interview at. Again, not going to say it till it's done, but uh, I'm going to be sending that email out for sure, see what else I can get. I'm going to keep this going as best that I can. Now, uh, in, in the interview with Chino, he mentioned that he recently released a cover of the Slipknot song, Snuff. And you can find that anywhere that you download or stream your music. I'm not featuring that in this episode because I want to give everybody a chance to buy it, stream it, etc. in a way that, that benefits Chino. So instead of including that cover, which again... Go find it anywhere. It's damn good. I'm going to leave you guys with the last cover 
that Sheena recorded under the Lone Wolf moniker. This is a cover of Hollywood's Bleeding by Post Malone. Until next time, guys.